Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of Damsels in the DMs. My mission would be is to come and start building films, building stories, and uh, offer the narratives about wonderful uh, women of today, women who are living, breathing, acting, they are successful, they are inspirational, they're not victim stories, their story is unique, not written for someone else, I'm metaphorically like they live in their lives, right? And uh, um, I want to bring those. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. Uh-huh. What's the vibe? There's some damsels in the DM. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them, yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please, yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. We had the wonderful Irina Meyer on the podcast this week. Um, and she started the production company called Mama Lion Productions. She has a really interesting story. She started off in the tech space and then eventually became interested in entertainment through seeing that the roles representing women were not authentic towards the people that she knew. Um, and her production company has been able to do amazing things. She also won an Emmy in her career. And I mean... I just think it's so inspirational when you get to see these multi-hyphenate women succeeding and the way that they paved the way for the rest of us coming up, I think is like totally invaluable. So I'm really excited for you Agreed. guys, inspired as we were. Yeah. And I also, what I thought was really inspirational is her helping, not only helping these women, but I love seeing when people merge their like past careers. So, you know, her, her past in being a venture capital venture fund whatever uh <laughs> and merging that with her love for film was really cool to see that because now she has a production company helping out all these women telling stories that you would never really hear unless you're living these lives 100 and she's traveling all over the world to make some of her films it's like incredibly impressive and it was so funny because i actually met people who work at her production company at can and um we really hit it off and they were like you need to have Irene on the podcast and I was like you're absolutely right we do so it's nice the way that your connections from film festivals can continue on when you're back in the states so I'm excited for you guys to hear from her me too let's get into it all right well hello Irina thank you so much for being here today hello good morning thank you very much for having me and it was amazing because I got connected. It was so funny. I was at a panel at Ken and I was sitting behind um, Jackie, who works at Irina's production company. And I heard her talking about California. And I had come to this panel by myself. I didn't know anyone. So I was listening for like any ins or outs into conversations about something I could maybe relate to. And they were uh-huh. talking about their production company based in California. So I jumped in immediately and I was like, oh my gosh, California. I'm from California. I mean, like, you know, probably. 40% of can also coming from Los Angeles. <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad that it led us to you. 
Mm, wonderful. I'm so glad I did. Yes, Jackie, been very excited uh, when she met you and she thinks that's and so I do. That's your very courageous, your uh, trailblazers in your own right. You are strong women who want to bring the, um, your perceptions of the creative world and also integrate other interesting perspective from the women across the board and I highly respect that. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. I want to talk a little bit because I know that your career started in entrepreneurship and I want to hear about everything, how you originally got into entrepreneurship, where you're from originally, and then how you started transitioning now into entertainment. Yeah, well, thank you for this question. It is uh, kind of an interesting journey. Um, I was born in Soviet Union in the suburb of Russia. Um, not a very happy suburb, not a very rich suburb, um, not populated with the most responsible adults. So it was a little interesting, but I uh, went to, was aspiring to and went to the top university in Moscow and I studied philosophy, political science, so all around me, there were all kinds of strange things going on, but I was focused on, uh, on myself, on my education and the family in order to move forward. So fast forward, I am uh, in France, studying French literature and uh, French language. And that was very, very fascinating. However, given an opportunity to come to United States, it was not possible not to uh, come and tr try to experience the American dream, which I did and exposed it completely. I got myself an education in science, uh, got myself Bachelor of Science in Computer Science, started working in the tech world. And in the tech world, I started creating programs, projects, build platforms, and then companies. So that's kind of, uh, that's, that's what happened here in California. And I love California for being such a wonderful, fertile ground for me. So also, I live in Paris right now. So it was really cool to hear you say that you uh, went to France. Have you ever thought about coming to Paris again, like, you know, leaving the States for a little bit to do producing over here and work with French films? So it is funny that you asked. Recently, definitely, I started thinking about that because French cinema is so incredibly rich and uh, being in Cannes, it just reminds us so much. It is an incredible culture. You know, for this year's Cannes Film Festival, the uh, image that uh, the committee selected, it's Catherine Deneuve and one of the very very classic black and white films. And it is perhaps a great reminder for us all how much is still happening in France. Yes. And especially because I met exceptional uh, women producers who work with French cinema or in France. They are from Northern Africa, from Morocco, and another one from Tunisia. And they say that the programs that France developed to co-produce is definitely something that gave them access to the world of filmmaking that's otherwise they wouldn't have. 
and I was just so happy to hear that uh, uh, France was able to open the doors to creative women, even the ones who are not living in France. So yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you take us back to when you transitioned from being a venture capitalist and being in the entrepreneur field, the tech field? I also have a similarity. I used to work in tech as well. And then I transitioned to being an actor. But when did you want to become a producer? Like what made you want to come into film? And uh, I don't know if you've left the tech world or you're still a part of the tech world, but what made you transition to this field? Yes, yes, well, absolutely. Is uh, yes, it's, it's a multi-million dollar question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still a little bit involved in the tech world, but majority of my time and effort is right now in production. So it started happening um, some years back when about uh, three, four years ago, when I was watching in dismay of what happens to the women in our society in the United States, but also in the Western world. And in the beginning, it was just an indignation of a citizen or a viewer, consumer consumer of the events. So we see uh, the bigger barrier to promotions in the corporate world. We're seeing that women receive me, women founders, at the lowest point of getting investments with from venture capital world. So this year, for example, it's uh, about two percent of total capital available that goes to women founders who found uh, at least a third of all companies. And that number is exactly the same as it was 17 years ago. And uh, there was a, a brief blip above and then it starts going down again. We are seeing uh, the clinics, women's clinics being closed and women being prevented from accessing uh, certain necessities. But then that understanding that something is going suddenly backwards or there is a perception in media that's we're doing so great but the reality of it is getting worse than when I started working 30 years ago and that was really started bugging me why on screen there is such a poor representation of uh, a modern woman, of a modern successful woman. And uh, I saw the wavelength being uh, consumed by some of the victim stories or the roles for where women are protagonists. It's just the script being written for men. And then they say, well, get the memo. We need to have more women central role. So now it's a woman who is a, an assassin in, instead of a man. And then she's in a high heels and a tight dress, running around, shooting people. The role being written for men, okay? So, and this disparity of the of what we see in media and it's across social networks uh, streaming devices uh, network television it doesn't quite matter it contradicts the reality and I thought that's what we need in the society in order to actually continue the our uh, progression towards something 
fair and uh, with open opportunities uh, and equal we need to readjust what we're consuming as a as a content and i thought my mission would be is to come and start building films building stories and uh, offer the nar narratives about wonderful uh, women of today women who are living breathing acting they are successful they are inspirational they're not victim stories their story is unique not written for someone else i'm metaphorically like they live in their lives right and uh, um, i want to bring those and they're not horrendous they are often women of faith they're family women they love their kids and their uh, parents and their husbands and they are super achievers and they learners and and I thought like I do not see those I do not see those images anywhere but those are my close friends and the, my close friends are from all around the globe and I thought I cannot believe that uh, right now there is none of those so I thought no I I I have to actually do something about it so that was that was the motivation. I love that you say that because that for me was a lot of the reason that I wanted to go to graduate school for producing as an actor because when I was in LA and I was strictly auditioning before I started creating my own content, I would feel so limited by the roles that were written for women. And to me, it's so obvious when a role has been written by a man for a woman. I, I mean, I think I can say this. I gave script notes on something yesterday and um, the script, I felt like the women were only there to serve the lead male character and they had no purpose in the script. Otherwise they had no conversations about men. They had no conversations outside of talking about men. It would never have passed the Bechdel test, you know? And this is somebody who I think, you know, really highly of in their career, but I also had to say, okay, do I continue to let this slide and not bring it up? Or am I going to ask like, hello, do you think that these are well thought out, built out women? Are these representative of people you know? And I decided to give the note because I said, you know, mm -hmm. why do I go to school for producing? Why do I think I want to make a change in the entertainment industry if you don't even start at the little steps, you know? Yeah. So I want to talk about why Mama Lion production specifically? And I know definitely female driven content, but can you talk about like, what are the projects exactly that you guys are looking to take on right now? Or, you know, brief about some in the works, whatever you can say. Of course, of course, with great pleasure. So Mama Lion, I wanted to, in the name, to convey the meaning of the company. And it is about a strong woman who did not need to lose her femininity, her intuition, her love, her faith, her family in order to become successful, this cold-hearted executor, right? So this is a woman who is a lion, but who is a mama lion. She is offering space. She's not taking space. She's offering the space full of uh, pos positivity, good energy, uh, support to others, uh, and also non-exclusive female club. I am very happy to work uh, with men 
who are understanding the message, who can build the authentic images of the woman on screen. Uh, but that was the very important part, but also the strength and the resilience uh, of those uh, of, of our protagonists. So the stories that we are telling are, for example, one of them, we're developing a feature film, which is called Save My Name. And it is about my dear friend, um, former uh, National Assembly woman of Guatemala, Maria Eugenia Tabush. And she is, prior to being in, uh, in a National Assembly woman, she is an iconic businesswoman trailblazer in Central America. She uh, developed her phenomenal uh, career and personality in the environment which were less than ideal. And in the same time, she is, uh, and she had many issues in her life were in dealing with a very much man-dominated Latin world and in a country that was emerging from a civil war, so where everything would be stuck against her. And she navigated it without raising her voice, without this confrontation, without playing people one against the other, but through uh, getting respect of the business community, through getting people on board with her project. She became a head of a multinational. And when she resigned, she decided to give back and go in the political class, which is very, very difficult in Guatemala. There is many pulls and pushes. It's a democratic society, but it's very difficult ones. And uh, at a great decrement to the personal, financial, and others, she served her people. And uh, you meet her right now. She's about my age. She's happy. She's positive. She knows so many things, so many people around the world. So that's as one of our stories and uh, um, save my name comes from the fact that she and not her older brother was saving the family business from bankruptcy and it was a young woman who stepped up in big shoes and and was uh, um, taking care of the family name so that's one of our projects we're very deeply invested in it your transition like how did you how did you even know how to become a producer for anyone who's like looking to become a producer what were the first things that you did when you realized okay i need to be in this industry i need to create uh, a platform for people to be able to, you know, have their projects out there. What were some of the first things that you did to, in order to create Mama Lion? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I did not have any connections. If indeed, you're absolutely right. If I would be already uh, working on production um, with some director or as being an associate producer or doing something for some other studio, I'll have the um, all the necessary, at least the how to do things. Like that's what you do. That's the companies to use. That's how you set things up. For me, it was uh, from scratch. So I started started by uh, engaging other people around me around my idea and uh, and I would share it with the people I liked respected from uh, just generally from uh, 
my history of leading and working and interacting with people in business world and venture world and tech world and in, in the creative world. And in the beginning, references were like really far away or um, not relevant, but little by little, I start pulling the little threads of the people who would be engaged with something. And instead of getting into the perfect combination of the collaborators i started working on the project i i put a project and i said that's the one i want to develop i'm working on that so uh, i had an idea to do something about a poet an indian american poet here so i'm just going to do that and i started creating the team around me i was like okay let's do that and uh, that uh, was about uh, a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. And at the beginning, those people, those teams will come and they will fall apart because they would be lacking uh, particulars and knowledge, experience, dedication. But as I would be the one person that continues to drive in those things and keep looking for collaborators, and I start engaging like really cool people. And I start figuring out what each of them can bring to me different uh, for my goal. So, for example, one was really good at setting up just the generally everything needed for a corporation to run, like between the benefits and this and this and this and expenses and some other things like I can do that super well. And then going through entertainment attorneys, I can build for your production company like that. No, old school. Don't like that. I can build for you the company like that way too complicated way too long does not work for me and then I went actually to something that I knew uh, is like to build a new venture and I created the production company as a startup I issued 10 million shares I seed invested in it myself I put in people who would move my project forward and whenever um, the, it would be really gelling. Uh, we will progress. And then I start hiring people. And when we pick more projects, and here I go. So that's as basically how I've done everything I've done by doing. <laughs> I'm so happy that you integrated both your worlds. And that's how you, that's the approach that you took, because that's a very unique story and a very unique way to become a producer and have your own production company. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know, also as I was building it and I was starting, I started to work on this initial film project, I realized that what I wanted is not necessarily to, uh, for myself, to have this success story as we often look for where your numbers go from the low left corner to the upper right in the quickest possible time. I realized that was not my aspiration. My aspiration was not to lose money, but to bring with me as many co-producers, collaborators, other studios, together so we will be growing together and to to give my, some of my ideas and uh, opportunities uh, to other people 
who are like-minded individual. And that's what I started focusing on, finding connections with other small studios. And I wanted the Mama Lion to be not just a place for, like a space for me, for my projects. I wanted to be doorway for other similar projects. If they're not finding the right uh, recipients in the studios, in the Netflixes, in other places. And I thought, let me try to see how those projects, I can push them forward, okay? Also focusing on what is my strength versus uh, maybe the strengths of people who've been in creative world for 20 or 30 years. So Irina, we would be remiss if we didn't ask you about your Emmy winning project. Can you please talk about that and how it felt to be an Emmy winner? Oh my goodness, thank you. That was a very interesting story, totally unexpected, never in a million years. So I was working as a project manager at ABC Television in Burbank. And when I was hired, it was to manage the digital media for the primetime lineup of ABC. So the shows from 8 to 10, Monday for Thursday, and making sure that everything is ready to go and being organized. And at the time I was hired, it was told that I can, there is a possibility within department to work on Oscars project and I was like that's was that's what I wanted to do so I started working and when Oscar is a seasonal project it's a few months it's about five months uh, uh, a year so um, as you start to prepare in November and it's sometimes uh, end of February usually like that's the duration and then people do other things so when the time comes for the starting to work on Oscars I'm like I want to do it my manager is like, ah, no, I like doing whatever you're doing. Like, no, 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 no. I like really want to do that. I, no, no, you like you already have a job. And then I say, well, is there any way that I still will be the main person in Oscars? She's like, fine, but then you're still doing what you are doing already, and then you're doing Oscars. I'm like, deal. I take it. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> So I picked the project and this one and I was doing for like five months a year. I would do like the double job, but I loved being setting things up at then Kodak Theater and now Dolby work with dozens and sometimes it was three dozen. The contractor company, somebody bring like setting up the wire, somebody else bringing the video one in front, somebody third is doing the little carousels with video editing and then they would be uh, the people on the red carpet and that it's insane huge world and all kinds of department with an abc and even we were under umbrella or still are abc and the disney even to augment our capacity during the event to the larger to the larger infrastructure groups i loved it so and but i was there for because I wanted really to to see this beautiful thing coming together, and uh, and then uh, 
well, everything went well. One in 2010, we delivered the product that uh, the ABC was not able to do in the seven previous years combined. And uh, we received this incredible recognition. And I have to credit Albert Chang, who was an executive vice president at ABC, big, big boss, and who like handwritten my name into the list of people who would be uh, representing by going and receiving an award and if nomination and everything. And I'm just incredibly grateful for this recognition. And I was pretty stunned. I, I, I thought it was a mistake. I, I went around and I say like, I'm here, you should. I don't have a title of a producer or like no 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 that's that's you that's you congratulations okay <laughs> but that's we have to not do that as women right like no you earned that you earned that title um and what a wonderful experience to have so now with the strikes happening what has mama lion been doing what can you guys still work on can you tell us about how the strikes affect production companies so yes, um, at large, it, there is a very significant effect because it's very, very destructive for the industry. There are more things that are preventing work than even meets the eye. So there is a repercussions that's going kind of all the way through. Uh, for example, all the entities that's been set by production companies to work with the guild representatives were to set up the signatory companies and add the guild as a, as a signatory. And with the strike, all the signatory is being invalidated. Basically, uh, they say like, it's as if they don't exist. So it's invalidates so much of the previous work as well. So that is a little uh, uh, concerning. And I think we're going to see the um, negative results in two to three years time in the content because the, right now it's a dry period. Specifically for Mama Lion, we are not uh, as affected as perhaps others because we choose, we are very, very particular about our purpose and our brand. Like the content, very important. How successful, what pre-sales are, much less important for us. We do only what is on brand. And for that, early on, we decided to hire in-house writers to develop our product pitches and to uh, on some of the projects to go deeper and write them and the others to write the entire script and on some others uh, after writing the script write a uh, biography or book associated with it if we tell the story for of a woman who doesn't have a biography and we will also publish it so we're from the very beginning we're very focused on bringing in in-house writers mm -hmm. and perhaps uh, the best think that the other production companies can do right now is to perhaps offer that opportunity to unemployed writers. But it depends on everybody's situation and PL or writers' preferences. But at least that is our way of approaching it. And I'm glad that's the way we went way before this strike started. So with you having an in-house team, can you still accept pitches from outside people or companies or all your projects get generated in-house? 
So we have, uh, it, de it depends. We have some projects which are from outside, but we are from day one decided to work with international studios. So we uh, welcomed uh, people from Guatemala Productions to work with us. And we reached out to the French producer, French Mar Moroccan and to Israeli and to a Saudi woman producer to, to look and some develop some of the content with us. So we are much broader from day one than just the United States. And as far as the production company, we can hear pitches. So we are not, we, there would be no consequences for us, but we always ask ahead of time, uh, what will it represent for you? What does it mean for you will want to be very sensitive if there are certain situation for this person to say no like i left it i do not know i'm i'm fine and so we'll follow up on it once again and then okay or there are people who are not associated with it so those speeches or some will say can you just give it a look maybe for the later whenever the time will be better and so we look at that but right now for the small studio as we are we're busy to 100 percent. so there is not one more that i think we can accept at this time so as it will be the new stage of growth and accepting new projects i think then we might feel it a little more but i think we'll continue focusing on our own in-house writing team so uh, with that, are you basically unaffected by, well, not completely unaffected, but it's business as usual with the strikes. So it's like a separate entity that's yes. happening. So you mm -hmm. can we are not affected at all. Not, not, none of our projects had to stop or uh, relationship uh, put on pause. They were like four or five projects pitched to us that we liked, uh, but we did not pursue them on the merit of the, and they were coming from people from uh, um, WGA, but uh, we passed on them by other reasons than, uh, than the strike before it started. So I can't even say that even that us walking out from there was a result of it because it was based on different, either budgetary or some other concerns about the content. So with you working with international clients as well, are you not part of the union? I'm, I'm assuming or not part of any union, right? Yeah. No, okay, so no. we we are we are startup. We are venture in production. So right. yeah, would no, we're no unions. Would you be working primarily with like non-union actors? That is a great question. There is uh, that's we will need to see how it goes. I think right now it is we're in a good shape, and we, as a, a brand, we like to give opportunities to others. And opportunities is often will be to the people who are not fully established yet and not necessarily part of any organization with that gives constraints. And if we have filming a story, Guatemalan story, we will be looking for actresses from Central and actors from Central America and Mexico, where there is a very robust film industry because we, we want 
to do that. And when we will be working with, let's say, Saudi production telling a story of a phenomenal Saudi woman, then we will be relying on the casting from the Arabian Peninsula as far as actors are concerned. And director, definitely woman Saudi director, uh, yes, we're in love with her. So um, that will be the case. I think what helps us is indeed our mission. On one end, mission seems very constrained because like, no, we will not do sci-fi, we do not do horror, we do not do this, we do not do that. But at the same time, we're very global and we're as being focused on the message, we are strong with our in-house writing. So it's kind of, um, I, I can't say that I was such a brilliant mastermind to create it this way. It is more of a happy uh, turns of events, but- No, it was you, take credit. <laughs> <laughs> I know, as a woman, it's very hard. You're doing it again, <laughs> take credit. just said it, it's just like, oh, I was fighting. No, it's not me for Amy, like, no, why would you say it? Yeah. <laughs> no man will ever say, what do you mean me? I worked so hard doing all of that. Yeah. I'm really it is me i'm like no are you sure yeah. it's not accurate i'm like <laughs> and here like yes i made all of those decisions were not affected by it not because i'm any smart <laughs> yeah i know but we're women supporting women that's why we have to call it out <laughs> thank yeah. you i appreciate it <laughs> but i also just for our listeners so they know i think what Irina is talking about, if you're not filming in the US right now, then you're not really susceptible to union guidelines because the unions are really just American unions. There are other unions, other places, but WGA, SAG, PGA, those are all US. So for the actors that are listening, just to be clear, under the SAG strike agreement, independent projects do not fall under that. So independent projects will still be able to go um, even during the strike. It's really just the ones that are by the networks that will be paused. Um, and I know this because I'm allowed to work in July. I just had a call with SAG confirming this. So I know that independent projects are still allowed to work. So that is confirmed. But Irina, for you now in your career, you've won an Emmy, you started Mama Lion Productions, you're working on projects that you know people would absolutely kill to be part of. What for you is the most fulfilling part of your career? I think is uh, to tell the truth, mm. being authentic. It's very, very difficult because uh, when you start getting a little bit of traction, you, people start worrying a lot about, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to, what do I need to do now? I need to modify something. I need to... Uh, blend in I need to deliver what the other is expecting of me and that's where everything breaks I think being true to the mission and being true to the story and uh, reevaluate keep asking questions and not shy away and do not being like washed with the rest of the well-intentioned projects who were a little shy of maintaining 
maintaining their their brand and their positioning. I think that is would be very difficult for me. Is authenticity is important. I don't want to sugarcoat things, but in the same time, I do not want to focus on the dark, on the dirt, on the pain that was given to people. I want to show how, given the unfair cards being played, how do you deal with it? How do you walk through it without losing your integrity and identity? And I think that is the most important thing for me. When I lose this authentic voice, and if I'm washed ashore, I deserve to be washed ashore. Gosh, should we get into our yeah. <laughs> <Take> mine. <laughs> so, Irina, because you are such a successful, powerful, and I'm owning it to you, you're a powerful, successful, independent woman making your own path happen, which is really cool for you to, you know, come from venture and into now the entertainment. I can't even imagine how busy you are and what your schedule is like just being you. Do you have any like healthy habits that you swear by or a morning routine that keeps you being able to pursue this career? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Morning is the most important part because when morning starts badly, it's uh, it's it's hard to to pick it up after. So I like to have a routine. So getting up at the same hour every day, which is 6.45 and, uh, and give myself the first 15 minutes to do nothing at all, to think about my day. I do not put immediately meditation in my ears or look at, at uh, uh, this email or what popped up or what's on my routine for the day. Nor do I scroll for social media. It is just me 15 minutes thinking, how do I feel the day is going to be like? And, and setting up an intention for the day. And I do not set an intention in, uh, in uh, tasks I want to achieve during the day. I want, I set an intention, how do I want to feel when I go to bed, when I'm back in the same place at night and let's, and I put away the book and before I close my eyes, what do I want to feel? And I want to feel satisfied. Okay, and uh, I want to have a satisfaction of a day well-lived, productive, and whatever way it can be, and allowing myself to, you know, like body, mind, uh, uh, all kinds of receptors and sensors as us. It's a very complicated machine, and there is a lots of AI in us, you know, like we can, many parts and circuits can, can organize themselves just fine without an immediate direction to do something. And I kind of let my entire system evolve and just do things that's supposed to be done because my goal before I, go, before I fall asleep, I need to feel that I had a productive day. Whether I was with my laptop all day long, typing away, or I took a book and I went to the park and I read for four hours, but then I came back and I made the decisions that were really impactful, serious and courageous. And, and that was a day well lived. So I, I said it on an emotional level. I think I, I, I'm just embracing my female uh, in, intuition <laughs> and, uh, and thinking like, yeah, I value you. So that is my thing. 
I love that. So our next question, this is typically a DM, but up to you, whether you want to tell us a story or a DM that you've received, but we always ask, what is the funniest, wildest, most intriguing or inspirational, either story from your career or DM you've received dealer's choice. Mm. So let's see when I was working on the Oscars project back then the one part so abc television has an agreement that's regularly get renewed with academy of motion pictures arts and sciences with the oscars academy and then on the day of the nominations that's uh, uh, it's a very very important day it's usually sometimes in january is when it's there is announcement early morning at least at the time when i was working there was around five something in the morning because it's would be eight something on the east coast and since we have this ongoing relationship they could put our web developers engineering team uh, for one night to work at the premises of the academy and uh, but they are completely sequestered they have no idea what is going on they're only about engineering basically whenever the announcement is done we just want the clean beautiful publishing on um, different web pages etc but no hints about no early nothing and it was very 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 important so i have uh, about 15 people in uh, basement of the uh, academies with their computers getting ready to publish whatever they will be told to publish in the early morning. And in the middle of the night, it's around 1.30 or 2 in the morning, something goes terribly wrong with our connectivity or bandwidth or something is not connecting from this basement. And like there is no way. So I get all those calls and uh, but they are sequestered. None of them, not even our director of ideas, a phone in there. We just receiving a distress signals uh, uh, from uh, uh, from them but we no way can communicate anything to them because that's uh, how the rules are so the solution that i found as i was figuring out how to deal and we just needed to give them a tech hack how to fix the thing and so the solution was I called the place who connected to to the actual building, to the security of the building. And the man with a talkie-walkie was there and having the phone of somebody from the academy there, making sure that there is no crypto message being sent to them. And on the other side would be staying our director of IT and uh, everything think I say will go through the security person will be said to the person from from the Oscars and then uh, receive an okay the word will be passed to him and so I would have to narrate exactly procedures of how they need to what they need to do in order to have access to a cluster of some other computers in there so um, the security guard in there was not unused whatsoever and and, uh, but that's how it happened in the middle of the night discussing the wires <laughs> and the, and I, that's I did not expect whatsoever I was more worried about how it's published where it goes where it is 
Well, that did happen. So we never know in the media world uh, what kind of strange obstacle we will need to jump over suddenly in the middle of the night. <laughs> and this is why you deserved that Emmy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the nations were very important. So it had to happen. <laughs> if other people didn't know what to do I'm like okay like there must be security guard then let's figure it out we're gonna we're gonna do it we're gonna do it that's okay don't panic <sighs> i think that that's so, true that sometimes with problems it's more about like rather than asking everyone like how do i fix this how do i fix this but okay we're just going to find a solution let me figure uh -huh. it out <laughs> <laughs> There is a there is a guide with the walkie-talkie. Yeah, I can talk to him. He can talk to Brian. Oh, that's okay. Let's figure it out. <laughs> and then, but what if they say I can't do it? What if I say something wrong? Okay, here is a president. He's like, okay, here exactly. <laughs> can we do that now? Can we do that now? <laughs> Fifteen people in there. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's that did happen. <laughs> So but it went on, everything was perfect. We were uh, exactly on time and everything was beautiful. There were no breach of security, never asked to give anybody a cell phone. There was just, just that. And it looked like it just ABC have their very well organized, have their stuff mm -hmm. together and just ready to go at five in the morning and publish everything. So yeah. <laughs> So Irina, I want to get to the DM of the week question. And that asks, has there ever been a moment where you wanted to give up on your career and how did you overcome it? Yeah, so that is indeed, that is harsh. Uh, that is uh, the harsh realities of the film production because there are the obstacles that uh, we are facing like really significant. And walking the tightrope sometimes it's really frustrating the problem that I had is when I started and I would be very open to bring other people into my project and bring in empowering sharing offering resources it is when somebody on your team starts to panic and become uh, a force that's, uh, that is very destructive. And that is very difficult because uh, I guess I'm much more trained how to deal with the difficulties from the outside. But I, I guess it's very hard for me to expect uh, something negative coming from the people from around you. And that is a very human type of situation. And that's the stuff that I'm struggling with. And uh, um, you feel like it, if you're just generous, if you just open, if you communicate every day, you empower, you respect it just feels so illogical. It just feels so strange that uh, there would be this active opposition coming within. And uh, I have a hard time seeing this coming. So there is something very naive and idealistic in me. I'm working on it. So yeah, that's uh, like one of the early ones like that. That was really hard for me. I thought, who am I to inspire months 
tons of thousands and millions of people if I spend so much time and I trust the people around me and then I do not see that one of them was totally on the same page um, somewhere else. So that was difficult. And uh, overcoming it is through discussion, understanding where uh, did they come from and uh, how does it conflict with uh, uh, expectations we've seen and uh, part in the best possible terms, keeping the door open and uh, reinforce the company with uh, even more dedicated people and uh, uh, to be more open to them, more generous to them, more welcoming than before. That is the solution. Because one solution is now I need to guard against newcomers. That says that is not a good thing. No, more of that. Because you understand that sometimes there is some other elements in people's life that's made them act in a certain way. It's not because of you. It's not because of this organization. Something totally else. And it's hard to look at it this way, but it's uh, the part of the human science, I guess. Well, Irina, that was beautiful. And I think that is the perfect way for us to close out. Thank you so much for being here. Can you please let us know where our listeners can stay up to date on what you're working on and everything that Mama Lion has coming? Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Fantastic conversation. Our website is mamalionproductions.com. We're also on Instagram, Mama Lion Productions. Uh, you will see our posts uh, from our Khan uh, experience there, among other things. Uh, so yes, please uh, get in touch with us on LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram, on uh, contact us uh, on our website. We read every single thing. We respond to all of our calls and we love our community. Perfect. Love that. Well, thank you so much, Irina. It's been such a blast to talk to you. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until you subscribe and rate and review to our podcast, we will be loving you forever. So please rate, review, subscribe, DM us, and all the good things. And please also send us if there's anybody who you think would be an amazing fit to come on the podcast. We're always looking for new guests. So let us know who you'd like to hear from or what you'd like to hear from. If you need a special about the strike, just to understand it, let us know. If you need somebody to give you tips and tricks and things to do this, su this summer, let us know. We are here. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. DMs, yeah we see them, yeah we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please, yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.